Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Oi. The boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Prime, we're back again. Um, no Craig today, I'm afraid. Just uh, Wonga and JC, Jimmy, myself. Craig has been up all night, apparently. Very, very ill. Very sick. He's alive. Don't worry, he's texting us. Right now he's texting us. He, he'll be just fine. But uh, all, all spare a thought for poor Craig right now, who is the one guy on this show that should never be up puking because he doesn't drink. <laughs> and he doesn't eat. Doesn't eat. What's no. he puking? Bile? <laughs> Yeah, stomach acids and uh, yeah, Ooh, that kind the, of stuff. The acid puke's the worst puke, oh, isn't it? it? It may be. <laughs> that's how we start off our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst when there's nothing left, but you're still retching with a flu or something. Yeah. Oh, it's Horrible. burning your gullet and the inside of your mouth. The ceramics peeling off the toilet bowl. Yeah. Welcome back, Charms. People don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Welcome back, Charms. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate your patience. Uh, so was that your weekend? Uh, no, no, not anymore. It's not. I was just telling you guys that it was a great weekend. I uh, went to Montreal uh, for a stag, about 20 of us. Um, really good times. But it is different going away for the weekend with the lads at our age, middle age, compared to when we were 25. Put it that way. It's, it's very different. But it's still a ton of fun. And takes less time to recover, which is a blessing. And yeah. give me your itinerary. I, I like to hear this kind of from Friday drive down and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so so Friday we arrived there around four ish. Caravan, like a group of you guys all left together? No, no, no. Just uh, oh. three of us in one car, and we met, we met all from different parts of all, all around. Okay. Some guys flew, some guys trained. We we drove, and we get there. So you do the whole hotel beers first of all. You get there, a few beers there. Then went to uh, a bar, I think. <laughs> it was a good night because I can't remember what bar it was. I have no idea. And then we went to this really cool restaurant, actually. Um, it's called La Medusa. It's quite okay. a spot, apparently, in Montreal. And, and we got in there. Mark 
Osborne, he used to play for the Leafs. Ozzy, back in 93, well, I think 87 to 93, 94. Um, we know him way back from the, from the score days, and him and the groom are, are good mates, so he got us into this place, which is like a, a set out of Sopranos. You're in this basement, you know, you're being served by these really old Italian guys, all these slebs on the wall, but there's seriously been some shit going down there at some point. That kind of vibe to it, the ambience. Mm. Really enjoyed it, actually. Great food, a few drinks there, then to another bar, and then to a club, and I'm just so done with clubs. I can't do clubs anymore. I can't hear a damn thing people are saying. It's too noisy. People are too young. You know? So so I sat there. I, I was that miserable guy by the bar. Right. Middle aged. Well, you shouldn't be there. Imagine Sharps being miserable somewhere. It does suck because I'm, once you, if you have good banter and you're having a good night, the minute you go to the club, it's over. Done. Yeah. Because you can't talk. You can't social. You, don't, you have no idea what's going on. You can't hear anything. You're well, better off just staying in a pub, keeping the banter going. You're right. You want to go try be, to pull and pretend you're 20 again. Montreal is also that 18 is that so that age difference. I know it's not a lot, but that means there's probably some 16 and 17 year olds in there. Yeah, and then there's charm at the end of the bar. Yeah, so I was just sitting there saying, you know, what are we doing here, boys? And they were just, you know, what they were? They were just lurking there, standing there with drinks in their hand, just watching. It's like you guys look pathetic, right? Yeah. I look pathetic. So eventually, we all kind of agreed this is kind of pathetic. Off we went to another bar and then ended up the night, as you do in Montreal at the Peelers. Yes. Which, again, you know, was way more fun when I'm 25. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And but what not time to, you not go to, to criticize. We had fun. We had a great time. And you got to bed? What About time? four. Jeez. Yeah. See, that's late anyway. And that wiped me out the next day, right? Until the Leaf game. We went to see Leafs Habs, which was oh. great. Well, it wasn't great. They lost in overtime, which kind of sucked. So I did a few bars around there, and they ended up in an Irish pub, and it was way better. It was great fun. Right. So, uh, yeah, good times. It was a great back, time. Then. Thanks. But, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling my, my voice isn't quite recovered, but uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Well, we put out a best of on Sunday. and It, it was, was great. Basic, yeah, and it was Jimmy's debut. I forgot, I forgot to tell you that. That was the first time Jimmy had agreed to say, hey, I'm going to be on the pod regularly. And he used three amazing stories. The dildo story. The um, military story, and and the the third one was the jail story. So he blew his load. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that bad term. <laughs> but he blew his load right away. Like three amazing stories, and it's. But I have to tell you, he's been pretty good since. Well, it's funny because at one point he goes, "Yeah, I'm going I'm to be on a couple of times a week." Like, what happened to that? Sucked <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> me in, didn't you guys? Yeah. You got the hook in. We did, but it was great because that was the original green dildo story which That's we right. often refer to and we even asked mark bircham about that story he he verified it so you know we often refer to it and so those of you that haven't actually heard the full story just listen to sunday's pod it is just a classic and jimmy you, you're you're a teller of stories there should be like an after dinner circuit in canada for ex-footballers like in uk you'd be great make lots of money but you're living maybe, canada, maybe i'll so. do that Plus, uh, then, then he can turn it into a Chippendales thing, just like a, a stagette. <laughs> yeah. What is it, a hen party in, in Britain? J- Jimmy just goes, hi, I'm here to tell a story. Little stag. <laughs> starts taking off his clothes at the end of it. <laughs> just standing yeah. there in my thong. Yep. That would be great, wouldn't it? You don't just have a great. thong. You don't have any underwear. Like, you're the best to buy for. It's like just a pair of socks at Christmas. In the stock. Yeah, that's no it. Underwear. In the summertime, I don't wear socks. <laughs> 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 Only in the winter. <laughs> good to know for your birthday 
Yeah. Hey, listen, speaking of uh, post-career, you know, what you want to do with your life, we, we, we often speculate about Gareth Bale, about him playing golf when he retires. He retired, of course, two weeks ago from professional football. Um, he's announced today he is playing in a pro-am tournament at Pebble Beach. He's announced it, presumably as the am, but I think he might have aspirations to be the pro at some point. And why the hell not, right? Good for him. This is what we thought he'd do. Nice little retirement party. I'd go watch him. Yeah, me too. I'm, in, I'm interested to see where he's at because you hear all the stories about how he loves golf, how much he golfs. So I'm interested to actually watch him play now just to see how good this cat is. He better be good, right? Yeah. you got to be good. If everybody's talking throughout your career of how great a golfer you are and you're actually – didn't he say his top three things? What was it? Wales, golf, and Madrid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I think someone actually he, – he, I heard someone talking about that when he retired, and they were saying he wasn't aware what was on that banner at the time, which seems odd. But uh, he, he got a lot – he got ripped for that, obviously. But he obviously loves his golf. But think about the pressure he must feel, though. Right? When he's teeing off at that pro-am for the first time, I mean, you wonder how that pressure will compare to a Champions League final because everyone's watching him. Everyone expects him to be really, really good. And what if he shanks it off the tee? It'd be brilliant. <laughs> It'd be absolutely brilliant. See, I don't, I don't think he's going to feel the pressure, Charms. I think he's played pro football at the highest level. He's dealt with so much pressure. I think now he's going into something else where he's He's not as good as what he was as, at football. Football, he had the pressure because he had to compete week in and week out. Now he's just going in as an underdog golfer and thinking, this is what my hobby and I like it and I'm just going to go have fun. And well, I bet you'll be quite good because there's no pressure on him. The other thing, uh, you're, I think you're right, Jimmy. And here's he, who he has to compete against. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is confirmed. Actor Ooh. Jason Bateman, who I love. And rapper Macklemore. Who's a great golfer? I'm all confirmed. Is so, he a great golfer? He he is. Yeah. I don't see golfers don't strike me as also being rappers and vice versa. Well, it's the crossover with Macklemore. He's also a white golfer, right? That's right. He's a white rapper. White rapper. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Lots of white Maybe golfers. A Christmas rapper. <laughs> also, Bill Bill Murray, of course, because Bill Murray's always playing in these events. Yeah. I thought Bill Murray was dead. Jesus. It's dark. No, is uh, I'm glad he's the, not. I like Bill Murray. Well, I don't know him, but I, I think he's very amusing. It was the other guy. It was Egon who died. Who? From Ghostbusters. Oh, you know, really? He died. Yeah, you don't remember that? Was he the the which guy was Egon? He was the one who wrote Ghostbusters with Dan. Glasses, the nerdy one with the glasses. Yes, that's yeah. Egon. That's Egon. Do you know yeah. what's funny? My my brother said to me the other day. He goes, "Guess what happened to Bob Barker?" I went. Oh, I thought he was dead. I thought he died like 10 years ago. Yeah. He goes, no, he's still alive. Yeah. And so we're sitting at the table. There's about, about 10 of us, and we're all looking at each other going, Bob Barker's no. still alive? Is he? Yeah. 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 I thought that's why he left. Um, was it the prices right? Yeah, I thought he was six feet under. <laughs> I thought when, when he retired, we just thought he they killed him. <laughs> he apparently, said, he's, apparently he's still walking around with that microphone. <laughs> Getting in fights <laughs> with... Uh, with Adam Sandler. So if, if Egon is dead, does that mean that he's not enemies with, with Dan Aykroyd? Because he's got to hunt him? Why? Him? Why? Is Bill he's, Murray? Because he's a ghost. 
out. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Is this the comedy you learned on your stag? Oh, nothing, nothing's changed. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, this banter, banter must have been on fire. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a number of times. Well, my, my podcast buddies would find that funny. <laughs> Did, was, that, was that your pickup line to the stripper? <laughs> yeah, so you know exactly. I've got a podcast. She goes, are you in the same one as Jimmy Brennan? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd, I'd watch Gareth Bell play for sure. I think that'd be interesting. I don't really watch golf, but I watched Gareth Bell play golf. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's as interesting to watch. I I do like the old. We always talk about this. The old superstars crossover sports. So yeah, I'd watch them golf, but I don't think I'd watch them. What they do with I don't know if you've seen this golf tournament on television, televised charms. They basically anytime one of these guys, a Justin Timberlake, a Bill Murray, have a good shot, they'll show it, but they don't show them as you know the featured foursome or anything right. like that. Okay, right. So following Gareth Bale around. If he's not with a professional, he, they are with professional golfers. But if he's not playing well, it wouldn't be fun at all. If right. he's, if he, it's being like playing with Craig. Craig is that good that he can sometimes shoot close to par, and it's fun to watch. But if he's not, it's seeing Craig dissolve on on the golf green is fantastic. Yeah, he'll he'll after like four holes, he'll just throw it in and start smoking his vape. Yeah, is Craig got a bad like on the golf course when he's playing poorly? He melts down. Oh, yeah. Well, not like he'll just kind of go, yeah, all right, well, this is a fun round now. Yeah. He won't throw his clubs or anything. When he's in that mood, it sucks. I don't like playing with him when he's like <laughs> right into that golf etiquette because I like to have a little laugh and I'm talking as people are putting. And when they're shadow, I'm stepping on their line <laughs> and he loses it. Does he really? Yeah. He's a prick. He's like one of those. Yeah. Like oh, he'll, just give you, he'll give you a look as he's about to putt if he's. You know, if he's playing well, just give you that look. And I'm like, oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> it's true. I just got a picture. I can't imagine Craig getting angry. I've seen him yell at, def- at the defenders before. He'd have a good yelling face. Mm-hmm. But I can't really see him getting mad. But if he gets mad on the golf course, then so be it. I think he's maybe got that switch. He's maybe got that's that switch, eh, Jimmy? Yeah, maybe he doesn't. That's probably why he doesn't like golfing with me sometimes. <laughs> if he's going for a good round, he's not calling me. Yeah, I can see you being really annoying on the on on the links if if you're a serious golfer. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be having that with everything, you. man. Yeah, huh. Frank Lampard could well be uh, playing a lot of golf next little while until he gets a media gig, which he probably will. All these guys, all, all these managers, and not to say Frank Lampard will do this, but he probably will. All these kind of surly, edgy managers and immediate interviews who clearly don't want to be interviewed after matches, and then they get fired, and then the next week they're on freaking. Fubo, right? Yeah. Sky. And it's like, oh, now you like the media, don't you? Always yeah. pisses me off that does. But I always wonder who is it that they're just like, oh, Frank Lampard's coming on the show to be full time. Do they just kick someone? It's like, just you're done. Sorry, you're off the island. You know, it's survive media survivor. I think it goes by goes, how many caps you want for your country. Yeah. So if, if Frank's gonna say 87 caps, I'm just guessing here, a lot of right. caps, right? And, uh, and I'm trying to think of someone who he might replace. You know, it wouldn't be Gary Neville, would it? Ian Wright or something like that. Yeah, Ian Wright's on. You know, only 74 for his country. Then see you, Wrighty. You're off. Right. Yeah. Here comes. Here comes uh, Gaz. Yeah, but you know what it is too, though, with the media and with the with the managers. Look, when you're winning, you're willing to answer every single question. But when you 
lost seven in a row <laughs> and you're at the bottom of the table, that you don't have any more answers. You can ask all the questions and you're just like, oh, fuck, we stink. And it's not like you can come out and go, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm out of my league, out of my depth, and I can't get the best out of these guys. And I'm struggling. And that's where it gets frustrating, right? When you start going on that slippery slope and you're losing and you're getting the same questions. And for the media as well, you always tend to have better questions when the team's losing than what you do when the team's winning. Way easier. Right? Yeah, of course. And you guys, you thrive off it, those questions, and just a little, <laughs> so what happened, Frankie? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy, you, you won't remember this, but I interviewed you numerous times post-match in those early TFC years, either in the room. Um, I did a couple of sidelines. Um, and you'd always answer the questions. You're always good, but there's always a little spikiness to you, I sensed. I always thought you were a bit spiky. And then I got to know you and thought, hey, this isn't guy isn't spiky at all. But what was the playing Jimmy very different to the non-playing Jimmy? Yeah, it's a switch you turn on and off, right? When you go out in the pitch and you got to be able to switch it on and then you're in that mode and then when you come back in the dressing room, you've lost and yeah, you're fired up. Because you did sure. generally lose when I was interviewing you. Up yours. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. <laughs> it, was, it was never, hey, Jimmy, Honestly. great game today. Big win, big three points, back in contention. No, it's always like, so uh, Jimmy, mm. another loss? Tough times right now in the room. Yeah. How's, the, how's the mood? That's kind of stupid question. How's the mood? Yeah. How do you think the fucking mood is? <laughs> eight in a row. <laughs> they just brought in six new guys. I don't know one of their names. Yeah. I don't even know half, the, half my teammates anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be like, uh, oh, Jimmy, so uh, just the four goals conceded today. You know, you're making progress. <laughs> you're you seeing, you seeing some uh, the pathway to success here. Yeah, but, you haven't had a clean sheet in 15, so where's it all gone wrong? <laughs> Maybe the 60 players that have come in in the last six months. What do you think about the, the big guy up front scored the first goal and everyone loves him right now? Big yeah. fan, he's getting a chant in the 24th minute now. Isn't that good? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, lovely, jubbly. What's it, Jimmy, what's it like? And I said this in our, our I wanted to note it in our rundown. I'm always because we come from North American sport, I'm not used to this relegation thing. And I find it so interesting and so um, persuasive to keep watching. And what's it like to be in a dressing room? And I don't know the whole history or history, yeah. but when you're losing like that and you're in this, you're bottom three and there's, you know, an opportunity for you, your whole, your whole club to be pushed down to a whole nother league, really, because that's what it is. Yeah. And the manager has lost the room. What's your, like, what's the, how do you go into work every day as a player? And it's just brutal. Go, yeah. It's brutal. I've, I've been relegated. Yeah. I got relegated, but then got sold pretty much right after it. So didn't bother me too much. Okay. Well, give me the relegation. Mode. The, the, the relegation, that dog fight, it's, it's horrible. Week in and week out, you're, you're struggling. Like, I've, I've, I've been on both ends where I've got relegated and I've been in that dogfight. And every single week is a grind. It's, it's so difficult because even the, the brand of football that you're playing is just to survive, right? And your manager's getting to the point now where you, you need points. Nothing's going to be pretty. You're scrapping. Get the ball as, up the pitch as quick as possible. Don't play out the back. None of that. 
you know, you can't afford to. You can't afford to lose points. And, you know, the football, the grind is is just brutal. And then I've been on the other side where, you know, I've made playoffs or I've, I've won, the, won the league. And the atmosphere is amazing, amazing in the dressing room. You come in every day with a smile, the energy, everybody's buzzing because you have so much confidence in the way that you're playing. You're playing good brand of football. You're winning games, picking up points. Um, but that relegation dogfight, it, it is terrible because you got the fans on your back as well. The media is on you. You can just feel the tension within the club because, you know, if you do get relegated, then people within the organization are, you know, they, there's a chance they're going to lose their job as well because they won't be able to, to afford their wages, you know, and every, every step that you go up, more people are coming into the club because, you know, there's a lot more going on. Whereas when you're getting relegated, you know, the, the club's kind of diminishing and people are losing their jobs and players at the end of the season are leaving as well because, you know, they, they might have a, in their contract where if they do get relegated, they're out. Um, yeah, it's, it's not fun. It is not fun at all. So when you, when you jumped, when you got relegated and got traded, that must have been a, not a bad feeling, though. No, it was, it was all right. No, like I got, I got relegated. And I think I played maybe eight games the next season. And oh, okay. that, that's when I got, I got sold and I was, I was gone. But um, yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And especially, you know, at the end of the season too, when you're in that dressing room and you're having your team talks and you, you're way for the summer thinking, oh man, I can't believe we just got relegated. It's, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. It really is. When you went down, Jimmy, was that right at the dead deadline or, or was it a few weeks before the end of the season? Uh, I think it was near enough the near enough the last couple of games where I think we we dropped down. I mean, look, I got I got relegated out of the Premier League with with Norwich, and then I got relegated with Bristol City. But then I had two promotions with Bristol City, and then I got a promotion with with Norwich as well. So for for both those clubs, and then I made the playoffs with Forest, and you know, so we I experienced both sides. Um, with the clubs, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, I got relegated from the club and then I didn't ex- I get to experience a promotion with them. So, um, you know, I've seen both sides and uh, just how the club can change like that. You know, one year you're down and all of a sudden now you're fighting again for promotion. And it's uh, it really is crazy how you, you just see the, the, the whole atmosphere change within the dress room and, and with the, within the within the stadium. With the so, fans, so you went down with Norwich and back up with Norwich, and you went down twice with Bristol City and up twice with Bristol City. Uh, once with Bristol City. Okay. Yeah. So you're, once, you're, like when I was when I first got to Bristol, they were, I think they were like fifth in, in the championship at the time or something like that, and then they got relegated. But I was in the youth team and reserve team, just okay. starting to come in, break into the team, and then I got promoted with them. So you're like you're even Steven. Yeah. Close enough. As you are, even Steven. But that's tough. I mean, when you get relegated before the season ends, I mean, how are those last couple of games? Must be strange, right? I guess the pressure's off in, in one regard. Yeah. But then like, you're coming out onto the pitch and, you know, your home fans are there and they're all dejected, I imagine. Yeah. It's got to be a real tough thing to, to face. Yeah. Then, you know, the, the thing is, too, I was, I was young. I was young the first time we, we got relegated, really young, and I was just breaking into the team. Um, so, and I, I knew I was, you know, I had a contract. I was there for another few years and I was that young guy that was coming through with a couple of others. Um, and yeah, did it affect you a little bit? Yeah, it did. Um, 
but you knew you had a place and a role. And I think for the older guys as well, I think it was a little bit more difficult for them um, because they knew the pressure was on them. The, you know, the, the club relies and the manager relies on the experienced players as well to get you out of certain situations um, to lead a dress room. And, and if it fails, I think that's when you normally get quite a bit of turnover as well, right? During that, that summer period where, where players move on. Yeah, so I guess when you go back to camp, preseason, it's like, okay, you're once again introducing yourselves to your teammates, different yeah. team entirely. Well, I, I was at Bristol five years, and I had five managers in five years. <laughs> five years. That's and the, the amount of players that, that come and went, was it was crazy. You know, we sold, sold a lot of players. I mean, the, the years that I got sold, you know, we, we were playing really well. We had a good, good squad, and... Adiak and Bailly, he ended up getting sold to Wolves. Sean Goder ended up going to Legend. Uh, Man City. City right, yeah. I ended up going to Forest. Lewis Carey went to Coventry. Like they sold a, a lot of players, um, and then it was a rebuild as well. Because then you know the manager, it was Tony Pulis. Tony Pulis was the, the gaffer that sold all of us. Oh, was he really? Yeah. You so you played under him for how long? Uh, maybe about maybe about eight months, I think. Really. Yeah, with Tony, and then uh, he was the one that. Yeah, well, they accepted the bid. The club didn't. You know, we all we all moved on. But you know, I had uh, yeah five managers there. Was then I had under, under Forest under Pulis. Was that where your your love affair of being naked began? Because yeah. he, he's kind of renowned for being naked. That guy. He's got some incidents in the past. Yeah, well, you just you you follow your gaffer, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he's I mean, all joking aside, though. Tony Pulis is a good football manager, right? He, he strikes me as being old school. Is was he old school back in those days? Is that? No, oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, you know, he he demanded respect, and he could control a dressing room, um, and especially back then, you know, those there were certain managers really couldn't. I had Joe Jordan as well, and Joe Jordan was very very you know, stern and, you know, he demanded respect. Tony Pulis, the exact same. They had that tone and that presence when they, when they were talking. Um, and he didn't mess around with him because you knew he was, he was a bit of a hard man as well, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he was a no-nonsense manager as well. You know, he had a certain way that he wanted to play. Um, he knew how to win. Um, and he was, uh, he was good with me. He was good with the young guys as well. Uh, but he, he was one of them where, you know, a lot of times I wanted to stay and do a little bit extra, you know, just whipping balls into the box and, you know, playing balls down, down the channel or into the striker's feet. And when training was finished, it was over. It was done. Everybody inside. No extra training, no nothing. Um, because I think he, he was experienced manager. You know, he, he had promotions. Uh, he, he knew what it took. He knew how to look after the players. He knew how rigorous the seasons were. Um, and he, he did. He, he protected the players, that's for sure. Well, another famous manager being linked with a return to the Prem is, is Marcelo Bielsa to replace Frank Lampard. They're talking, apparently. And as Leeds fans will tell you, Bielsa is an absolute legend. They revere him at Leeds even now. Um, he won them promotion, of course. He's very unique, the way his teams play. I mean, what do you think about that, Jimmy? From, from Everton, who have been so poor this year, wasn't all Frank Lampard's fault. They, no. they invested in the wrong areas. Um, but to bring in a guy who's going to have such contrasting methods to Frank Lampard, that's, isn't that a lot to ask a team to turn it around yeah, and, and save themselves? I, I agree with you, Sharms. I, I think, you know, when, 
Bielsa comes if he comes in, it's that's a process. It's a process because he's going to want to get the right players in that can can play his philosophy, his style of play. For me, if you're Everton right now, I'm going after a, a Sean Dyche or someone that knows how to shore up the defense, make it difficult for for the opposition, and and knows how to pick up points. Um, and it doesn't have to be. And if you're an Everton fan as well, right now, it doesn't have to be pretty football. You just got to survive. Yeah. You don't want to get relegated. So Bielsa comes in and we go, oh, beautiful brand, but we got relegated. Well, no, I'd rather a manager that's going to come in and just get a solid shore up the back, you know, and, and, and grind out points because I want to survive. I want to be in the Premier League. And then at the end of the year, okay, well, let's, let's see what we do and what, what the plan is moving forward. But, uh, I think you got to get a manager in because I don't think you have enough time to change things around. You know, <laughs> not at all, man. They're they're cemented at the bottom right now. Yeah, it's just being. I mean, listen, they're not too far from safety. It's possible, I suppose, and he can be inspiring by all accounts. But yes, it's a big ask, I think. Unless unless the the club have acknowledged that, hey, listen, if we do get relegated, we we can you know jettison a number of contracts. We can almost start again. We should be good enough, and with our finances to get out of the league championship after a, a season. I suppose, yeah. and with those parachute payments, of course. Yeah, um, we think but, so, but like you've you've seen it as well, though, Charms. You you know how difficult it is to get out of that championship. You know, teams yeah. have gone down and they've they've sat there for years. You look at Wednesday, Newcastle went down. They were down there for a few years. Sunderland ends up going down three divisions or whatever it was. Like, there's big clubs that go down there and they just they get stuck. They can't get out. So. Is it a gamble that, you know, if you're Everton, that you want to take right now? you got a, a new stadium coming as well. That's true. Right? There's hype around the place. <clears throat> you just have to survive. Get a manager yeah. that's going to go in there and just keep you in that Premier League. You can't afford to go down. Even interim, right? Bring a guy in um, that, that can win you survival. I'm not going to say Sam Allardyce, obviously, but that type of figure who, who's done it and has proven you can keep teams up. And yeah. then in the summer, you reconsider, right? And then maybe a BLS is available in the summer and you can bring him aboard early in the summer. He can start rebuilding that team in his vision. Maybe that's the smarter move here, but I would love to see him back in the Prem though. Wouldn't you? He's brilliant. I love his football. I wonder if he would, do you think he would come with his bucket? A hundred percent. Yeah. They might even give him a blue bucket, a new bucket. Explain the bucket. I need this bucket story. (laughs) He's he's kind of, well, you know, in the world of managers, you know, who look so dapper and and cool these days, Biel's is old school. He literally brings a bucket or a cooler, and sits on it during games. What? That's yeah. awesome. Just Google, Google Bielsa and Bucket. Really? Yeah. yeah. Does he have oh. a beer in there? Does it? Is there like a pint in there? No, he turns no, it's, down. it's upside down. Water. He's not, it's not like he's sitting in a bucket with his <laughs> no, legs but if, up by his head. He's a cooler, too. It'd be great if they was just like pop a, pop a beer <laughs> at halftime. and just. Hey, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great, though, if oh. you could see a manager on the sideline with a pint in his hand? Be a, I can see you doing that. <laughs> Yeah. Must have been a few times at York you wanted to have a beer on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. When a team was struggling, yeah. <laughs> or not playing the best. Um, Harry Kane equals Jimmy Greaves' Spurs record to 66. Lots of rumors about Kane still moving. We discussed that a, a lot. But it's been a big year for strikers, eh? So far. Haaland's got 25 now. Yeah. Another hat trick. He, he's warmed up after a slow start of 2023. He's now got more goals than last year's Golden Boot winners. Yep. Salah and Son. Yeah. It's incredible. 23 they were at, right? And he's just over halfway in yeah, this it's season. Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's incredible, honestly. 
How does your how does your, Charms your Salah? Like I know Liverpool's not playing well, but both Son and Salah they've fallen off so much this year. They have, which is very, you know, I'm thinking of all the all the footy they played going up to the World Cup, um, and it seems to me, you know, this Holland not making the World Cup has only helped him. He's fresh. He's playing against guys who've all played. I wonder well, how much Salah that... didn't play, right? Salah was he missed the World Cup. No, I know, but he did right? play into the. I know, I know, Egypt didn't make it, but I mean, he did play into the qualifying. All I mean, the African finals, all that. Yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff, right? No, I mean, he's played a ton of football, right? And yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't actually been in, been Mo Salah since the Afcon last year. Yeah, right. Yeah. When he lost, he has not. He's he scored goals and he scored some goals this year, but uh, he hasn't been at his best. That's for sure. But no one has in that team either, right? The way yeah. they play just isn't quite the same. We said before, there's a transition happening there, I think. But he just signed that huge deal, highest paid player in, in club history. And and the question then was, man, is it is it a gamble? He isn't a spring chicken anymore. Does this scream Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at Arsenal, who signed mm-hmm. that big deal? He was kind of a little bit older, and it obviously fell apart. I don't know. I think there's still some game in, in Mo Salah. Um, he hasn't got the same attitude as an Aubameyang, so I think he'll be positive throughout it. But yeah, there's some big issues there. There's no doubt he hasn't been that good. Whereas Haaland started off the year slowly, but now has found himself. But his team is still, you know, quite a way off Arsenal. And I mentioned it a while back about how is City better with Haaland or without him? And at this point, I mean, look at the points and the goals and the goals conceded. Um, you'd say they're not. That's not to say they won't be. And he'll be a great signing, and you can't blame him necessarily. But he's only getting twenty touches a game, isn't he? So something that must change at City, Jimmy. This is a possession-based team. All those players have like fifty to a hundred touches. You throw yeah. in a guy suddenly with twenty touches, albeit dangerous touches, the the team's going to change a little bit, right? Yeah, it does change because he's an he's an out and out nine, right? So really. He doesn't have to have, the, have all these touches. You know, the rest of the team, the way that they play in possession base, moving the ball side to side, and, and they wait for those opportunities to open up. And he's a, he's a patient striker as well. He knows he's going to get service. He knows that ball's going to be coming into the box. He's going to get his opportunities. And, well, you, you see what he's like. One opportunity, he'll score it. Half a chance, he'll score. So he'll, he'll be thriving off. And at the end of the game, scoring a hat trick and saying, oh, I only had 20 touches, I don't think he gives a shit. <laughs> yeah it's still decent right what, I mean they are I mean the five points back of Arsenal right the Gunners yeah. have a game in hand right so potentially it's eight points I don't see Arsenal losing gimme games I mean they haven't hit that that purple patch just yet have they and no. they're coming off another statement win against United where they were brilliant Eddie Nketiah kind of you know so much for Jesus Nketiah is the saviour of this yeah. team right now it's incredible you know, they're, they are, they're, they're so fun to watch right now. I love the way that they're playing, you know, and you could just see they're just oozing confidence, aren't they? You know, they're, I can't see them losing it. I really can't. I think they've got way too much confidence. And we, I keep going back to it, you know, and I, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I love the whole story that, they, that they've got right now, you know, and especially after watching that, that documentary of how they put the team together and how they build and how they were patient with it. And they've got such a young team as well that, you know, they're, they're just in sync right now and they just feel invincible. Then they are good. They know how to win matches. And you, you never see them getting phased or, 
or lose control. You know, they they're a good team to watch right now, and I can't I can't see them losing it. I really can't. And they're not being bullied in the transfer window either. You no, know, with, with the Mudrick thing, they said no. You know what? That's our number. We'll lose and we'll risk that. We're not going to you know upset the apple cart here, which I think is really smart as well. They're now the favorites to sign Declan Rice this summer. The money they're saving on these transfers, they've made a couple of moves. Yeah. Um, but a guy like Declan Rice, now Arsenal is the main player for him, which would be a brilliant signing. Yeah, it would be. I mean, look, they've got – who else is after Man United, Chelsea are after him. But, yeah. you know, if you're Declan Rice, you've, you've got to do what's best for you and, and look at the situation. And, you know, he's a, he's a young guy and – you want to go into that young Arsenal squad because you know that that squad's just going to get stronger and stronger over the next number of years. Also, staying in Austin, staying in London, right? Yeah, you're staying in London. You got a club right now that's, you know, there's no no stories and no drama coming out of the 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 club. You know, it's just everybody's on a high, and I think that's where you that's a club for Declan Rice, where he I'd imagine that's where he he'd want to go because he'd probably think to himself, you know, this this there's going to be a core group of players here. They're going to be together for the next five years. Yeah, exactly. Good young manager as well. Yeah. He, he looks like he's a fun guy to play for. To play a good brand of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gunners are, are just fantastic. Um, Iwong, do you have any mailbaggers? I do. Mail I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. read one, and it's a it's a fun one because I think it's appropriate with the time of year we're having. So it's from uh, Pitar Zelenika. And he goes, uh, going on vacation soon. What is everyone's go-to watch, listen activity for flying or traveling? Mm. I like watching TV. Wife says I'm not allowed to watch the Discovery show Mayday on anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and Peter, this is how small the world is. That Mayday show, the old company I used to work for, Eggplant, used to do all the special effects for it. My dad was a uh, he was an inspector for the Canadian Safety Aviation Board after the military. So he would actually go. He actually saw some of these accidents. And uh, the third one was the director was my next door neighbor about 15 years ago for those. Really? Things. That's yeah. a, that's a, no wonder you read that one out. Yeah, it was awesome. But Six what is, what's, your go, what's your go to travel? Well, what's your, I've got Well, isn't the obvious answer here. Uh, Fody Prime. <laughs> but what about on the TV set in front of you? On on a I, on I an airplane. I, I watch movies, but I hate watching them on the plane because you can't really hear it properly. You know, you know they're gonna censor out all the boobs and stuff. So what what's the point? Oh, so what do you do? Do you just go full podcast or do you read a book? What do you? I do? I, I definitely read. Yeah, I usually pod and music, and I usually drink. Oh, yeah. and then a little nap. Jimmy, go. Going to the toilet and have a quick hug, <laughs> then come, <laughs> then come back, then come back for a kip. That's your mile you high. There. That doesn't put you in the mile high club, Jimmy. It doesn't count. No, it doesn't count. No, hey, that's Jimmy's that's made the, love to the paper towel in the toilet. That's, that's the kilometer club. <laughs> if, if you if you ever see Jimmy on a flight. And see him just making his way to the washroom. Give him a knowing look. <laughs> Give me a thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Go, uh, hurry up, pal. Point yeah. at your watch. And you'll know if I come back and I'm, I'm out. <laughs> will, you, will you have a pint on the, on the, on the plane? Me? What's your, yeah. Yeah. Especially on the way there. On the way there, I'm, I'm having a pint. I'm having a laugh, conversations. I can't sit there and watch a movie. If I did, it would be a short documentary and then 
whoever I'm traveling with, have another chat with them. And what if you're traveling alone? Will you chat the ear off oh, the person will, beside you? You are a chatter, aren't you? Yeah, I'll have a little oh, conversation. Oh, with you them. son of a bitch. You bastard. Yeah. Or I put <laughs> I, my headphones in. You know, See, you know the worst ones that when the worst people are the ones when you have your headphones in, right? And yeah. they still insist on talking to you. It's like, no, do it's, you not see? Jimmy's I don't want to talk to you. I'm listening to something, even if I'm not. It can Jimmy's be nothing a nudger, on there. Sharps. He's like he one is. of these guys. Hey, uh, yeah. Hey, hey by the way, um, have you ever chucked off in a plane? <laughs> <laughs> I usually spend most of my time actually. You now I think about it, like looking around and judging people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and growing a real dislike for people who i've never met before i think yeah. i bet that fucker's going to the same place as me can't stand him look at, the, you just, look at the sandals or do you just eye people eye people when they come on and going oh please i hope they're not sitting beside me and then oh, they walk know. by and you're like yes okay who's the next come I on i got a story about that by the way which i probably shouldn't it's not okay i'll, I'll be I'll, i got separated from my, my family on the way back from dominican a few years ago now and uh, I was trying to find my seat, and then I saw my seat, and then I saw the, the lady beside me, and thought, "Oh, okay, she was extremely large, okay, like extremely to the point where I think I I don't know if I can actually fit there, mm. but you know, I, but whatever." So I stand up beside. Excuse me, can I? And she gave me this dirtiest look you could ever freaking see, like, "What? No." I don't want to move for you. It's just miserable. I mean, I'm sorry. It's my freaking seat. And I did squeeze in there, but there was no armrest. There was no chance of that happening. I'm sure there was an armrest. There wasn't an armrest. No, there was. It was just well, there, was. there was, but there was no, <laughs> it was not a shared armrest, put it that her, way. Her armrest was her thigh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I will, I would, I had a big smile on my face. Like I'd be friendly, whatever, you know, these things happen, but at least, if you are that way, you must understand it's going to be difficult. But don't give the person attitude. It's not my fault. Yeah, you shouldn't have been uh, judged on that. No, Although I, you're doing all the judging too. Hey, the people that get to the airport and, t and change into their resort or vacation clothing, that they piss me off. What about flip-flops? What about open so, no, toes? No. If, if, you're, if you're getting on a plane, like I'm going away in March, right? It's going to be cold probably. Who knows? Snowy. I'll arrive. I'll, I'll uh, probably won't wear a jacket, but I have my, my jeans on shoes right and i'll get on the plane wearing the same clothes i won't be going to the goddamn washroom to change into my fucking hawaiian shirt and shorts and slippers no i'm not doing that i'll do that when i get to the resort those people piss me off there's also the you know you're talking about uh on the airplane when you're judging people because we all fly over to wherever all at the same time you're not always at the same resort and so you're like, okay, don't be at my resort. Don't be at my resort. Be at my resort. Be at my. It's almost <laughs> like you're gambling, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like you're like, hey, lucky seven. Yeah, it's like, I wonder if she'll be at the resort. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Anything else? Anything else from the, the sack? No, we're going to leave it there. I like that one. That I, like, I like that one too. Motivated some conversation. I wanted to hear what JC, because I saw him putting his. Uh, thumb down when we talked about people with their feet wide open and getting ready for the trip. JC, what do you do that? What do you do on your, on your travels? Well, the best thing to watch on the plane is the altitude and, and the, the map that shows where you are. Cause it's like, okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> Whilst you're drinking and you can, and you'd be like, okay, I could probably fit three more beers. 
mm. before, before we get over to that like little dot where I'm supposed to be going. Um, but one time I was on a plane with a guy who who created the littlest hobo television show. And it was really it was, oh, it was awesome. And he was telling me that it was seven different dogs. No, for, yeah, seven dogs named London that they used for that show. Ooh. He also created the show Neon Rider, uh, uh, a not so remembered uh, television show from the 90s here in Canada or 80s, 90s. I don't know. I think it was, it was 80s. 80s. Yeah, 80s. Yeah. With Winston Reckitt, who smoked six packs of cigarettes on set a day and then died of lung cancer. Oh, really? So food for thought. Back, back to the Lilith Hobo. So seven dogs, they were all called London? Yes. <laughs> so what, he's like, they were like going to the casting agency and saying, we need a, a husky named London. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to guess they had a litter and they all looked somewhat similar. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just use all this dog. But it's all a bunch of dogs. Kind yeah, of disappoints me a little bit. Well, at the end of the at the end of the series, they had a big chili cook off, and it was like, "Where's the dog?" They're like, eat the chili. <laughs> <laughs> Charmin's proper London pie. London pie. <laughs> yes, back to the old country. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's the reason. All right, fubotv.com slash footy prime. Sign up. We still got a week left to get a great deal on the next three months of Fubo TV to watch all your footy, specifically the Premier League, and of course, bet. Please bet through North Star Bets, footypicks.ca. We're back probably tomorrow evening, I imagine. Yeah. Sounds about right. That's right. All right. Well, maybe by then we'll know whether Nottingham Forest are in a major final. Ooh. In fact, we will know by then, of course. Yeah. And will they be facing Newcastle or Southampton? Could Newcastle be in their first major final for a very, very long time as well? I'd love to see Forest against Newcastle. How great would that be? be Even really though it's cool. a Carabao Cup, it's legit. Jimmy, Jimmy's not saying anything, but he no, should. he's not. He's shitty. He's just really like, oh, shit, they're playing tomorrow. Yeah. No, because it's home and away, isn't it? Is it two legs? Yeah. It's That's stupid. Legs. Oh, yes, Carabao Cup is two legs, the semifinals. Yeah. yeah. All right, well. My point I stand corrected. <laughs> no, my point still stands. <laughs> Damn it. That's it. That's it. That's not really. Not really. I'm going to myself a hold here. All right, we're back tomorrow. Keep quiet. Newspapers and cheers for listening. Join the conversation on Twitter. Help us fill Wonger's mail sack at footy underscore prime.